You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. For those of you who are joining us online, right now we have standing room only because it is so packed and... uh, All right, that might not be true. That was just a word of faith. Hey, uh, this morning we're talking about the high call of serving. We're continuing our series on this topic. I love this topic of serving because as I mentioned last week, um, when I look at my relationship with Jesus Christ and I have to pinpoint a specific time when I notice that I really start to felt like I got rooted, when I really start to feel growth, I attribute it to the moment in my life when I said yes to a serving role. When I started to give God my yes, whenever he called me to an action, whether it was a mission trip, whether it was serving in a kids ministry or a youth ministry, that those are the moments when I look at and I say, man, that's when I really either one really heard God's voice, you know, as I was stepping out in faith, trusting that he would speak and, and, and guide my steps, which is something that we'll be getting to in a moment. But I always look, whenever I look at my relationship with Jesus, those growing points is when I just so happen to be serving in a serving role. And I want to unpack that a little bit this morning. Our topic is based on the principle of serving others, finding your purpose, connecting your relationship with Jesus Christ to the actions that he's called you to do. There's a main point that Jesus teaches us, and it's that we should physically be serving the world around us with the understanding that true fulfillment in life will never come from self-gratification. True fulfillment in life will never come from self-gratification. As we talked about last week, the testimony of Michael Phelps, who was interviewed in response to him reading a book written by Christian author Rick Warren, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, which talked about how our, our purpose in life only comes from God. I found it so interesting that this multi-million dollar golden boy Olympic swimmer didn't say that he felt life's purpose in swimming, didn't say he felt life's purpose in training, didn't say he felt life's purpose in coaching other students on swim teams. He said, I found my purpose whenever I read this book and started to learn about God's purpose for my life. You will never find fulfillment from self-gratification. As a matter of fact, think about your life in, in terms of the most gratifying moments that you've ever experienced. Can I just say that my most gratifying moments isn't when I made a purchase, isn't whenever I had a certain amount of money in my hand, isn't based around things that I did for me, but my most gratifying moments in life are revolved around the principle of serving others and sacrifice. Have you ever, have you ever give to a good cause and it just made you light up inside? You know what I'm talking about where you walked away and I'm not talking about those moments when you get something in return, for example, those Girl Scout cookies, man. Oh, oh, Lord Jesus. A couple weeks ago, you know, they're, they're right out here on, what is that, Route 100? And I pull out to the intersection and I see them across the, 
the way there and I, my wife was following me and I had already started to make the turn. So there's no turning back because if it's one thing I've learned, you can't make U-turns on Route 100. Whew. And so I'm sitting there and I'm calling my wife because she was behind me and I don't see her in the rear view mirror. And I'm calling and I'm calling and I'm calling and I start to get panicked. So I'm like, where is this woman? I'm like, come on. And so I'm, I'm starting to get concerned that, you know, maybe she pulled out and got into a fender bender or something. And I'm like, honey, I need cookies. So I'm calling and I'm calling and I'm calling. And finally she answers and says, oh, I'm sorry, honey. I was buying cookies. The Girl Scouts and I said, baby, I love you. (laughs) But I'm not talking about those moments where we gave something to get something in return. I'm talking about those gratifying moments where we sacrificed something and there was something inside of us that just leaped out. That said, that's what this is about. Serving, sacrifice, Our lives are littered with these gratifying moments. And as we mentioned last week, I believe that at birth, God gives us, puts this seed in our hearts, the desire to do good. And it's a matter of if we will water it with a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if we will suffocate it by selfish desires. Regardless, I believe that God puts that seed in our hearts. And I see some individuals, you know, I, I, I read all of these health articles about, you know, their, their self-help and kind of being the best you. And I, I hear about all of these different things that you can do in life to self-develop and all of these things. And I just look and I go, my God, we're missing the main ingredient. A relationship with Jesus. The best you that you can be is made and reshaped and molded and broken through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Fulfillment in life never comes from self. As a matter of fact, I heard a pastor, he was once asked the question, don't you feel guilty about asking people who work 40 hours plus a week, have families and other responsibilities to volunteer and serve at your church? The pastor responded by saying this, I'd never feel guilty about connecting people to their God-given purpose in life. He went on to explain He said this, some people have Christian jobs, some secular, some have jobs that energize them, some have jobs that they they genuinely enjoy, but few of them would ever say, this is what life is all about. He said, we get to invite people to be used by God in ways they could never imagine, to have kingdom responsibility, to be a part of the process and watch God touch other people's lives and know that he used little old me to be a part of the process, to lay our heads on our pillows at night, knowing that we have stored up rewards in heaven that we couldn't even imagine. And we are so undeserving us of, and we also receive blessings in life from him through selfless service. We get to empower people, stretch them, grow them, watch them fulfill their life's calling, find their life's purpose. No, I never feel guilty about that. Serving the Lord is one of the most gratifying things that I believe a person can experience in life, to be his hands and feet. And can I tell you that as an individual, I, I like adventure. Does anyone else in here just like adventure? Just, I'm talking, let me define this a little bit. And I'll ask you, I'll ask you again for a show of hands. What I mean by adventure is when you just decide to, to do something that wasn't scheduled, to go somewhere, didn't fit the family calendar, 
to, to go on an adventure, to go somewhere that you've never been, to have an experience that you've never felt. Do I have any people in here who like adventures? I love adventures, even my movies. I have to have action and adventure. I have to have a good storyline. And if I'm watching a movie where a person isn't taking risks, I'm just being honest, I get angry. I sit here and I'm like, quit playing it safe. I love adventure. I love risk taking. I love walking into the unknown. Can I tell you that one of the greatest adventures that I've ever experienced is telling God, yes, because it's led me to places that I could never imagine. I felt things that I've never felt before through his Holy Spirit's empowerment and leading in my life. Serving the Lord is one of the greatest things that I believe that a person can experience in life. Why? Because you're experiencing what it is to not only meet and get to know your creator, but fulfill his purpose for your life. Is this making sense this morning? So where do we start? What's the starting point in getting involved in this? And I want to answer that in just one moment. One more point that I just want to point out is that serving the Lord is so fundamental to our life's purpose that Jesus in his last moments here on earth was found washing the feet of the disciples. I, I love articles about people's bucket lists. There's different YouTube channels that you can follow where people on their bucket list means the things that they want to do before they die. And they take you on these adventures where they're jumping out of airplanes, where they're going to, to other countries, to other beaches, luxury experiences, adrenaline-seeking experiences. And one of my things that I know gives my wife a little hint of anxiety every time I say it, one of the things on my bucket list is I want to ride a bull. There's just something about it. I want to be able to say that I did it. And every time her response is, you have kids. I know, but never have I heard on somebody's bucket list that they wanted to wash the feet of another individual. And yet in Jesus' final moments, that's where we find him. Where do we start? Why did he do that? We're gonna answer these questions this morning. First, in discovering our gifts, I wanna point this out. Use your skills to find your godly passion. Use your skills to find your godly passion. Godly passion is something that can't be taught to us, but it's something that we experience. Godly passion is, is one of those things where you set out with your own skill set to serve the Lord and he begins to instill a passion in you that can only come from him. For example, there's one individual I know where he was in the oil business and sold drill bits for oil rigs. That's what he did for a living, did well. But yet he found himself, that was his skill set. He found himself having this passion ignited in his heart where he used his finances to build orphanages in Mexico. He started with his skill and ended up with a godly passion in his life. Another individual that I know made a living as a construction worker and began to build and do different things for his local church and began to serve in such a capacity. And one day the Holy Spirit came upon him and he started to feel God instill a passion of a different nature in his heart. And now he's a missionary in Honduras currently in today's time building a Bible school. 
There's another individual I know who was a successful painter. He ran his own business. And years ago, I had the opportunity to join him where he regularly takes his painting business, other co-workers with him on mission trip to do different building projects. And I had the opportunity to paint alongside him in Columbia a couple years ago. What happened? Individuals started serving the Lord with their natural skill set and ended up with a godly passion that they never saw coming. So pastor, where do I start? How do I get this? How do I get more plugged in in my serving? I would say start with the skills and passions that God has already instilled in you and see where it leads you. The reason why I have confidence in saying that is because of this. Proverbs 16, three, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Another way of reading that is commit your work to the Lord and he will establish your plans. As we commit what we know to the Lord, he begins to transform us into kingdom-minded people. As we, begin again, as we begin to commit what we know in the work, he begins to instill passions that are bigger than ourselves within our hearts. And in just a moment, I'm gonna ask our media team to play the video of somebody who serves here at the church. One of the things that I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke was, I wanted us to hear stories of what God is doing here. Amen, pastor, amen. God is doing things here at C3. Oh, come on, somebody. My goodness, we're about to pass out Red Bull to everyone. God is doing things here. And I want to make sure that we're highlighting what he's doing. I loved hearing the testimony last week of Matt Russo. And just to, um, just to kind of show what God has, has done with that is we, we put together, and by we, I mean Joe, <laughs> put together a video of Matt Russo serving in our, our Royal Ranger ministry. We uploaded it to our social media and just as kind of a, hey, if you miss Sunday, here's the video. I started getting text messages the next morning from our media team asking if I had seen how many views it had. Overnight, it went from about 100 views to 1,800 views. It had been shared more than 100 times. It had reached over 5,000 people, meaning 5,000 people had the ability to click on it. It was uploaded to the National Royal Ranger page and started to get shared in other countries by various ministries. How many of you are thankful that God's mind is in imagination is so far bigger than ours? I said, this is going to bless C3. This is going to show us what God is doing here. And God took it and just ran with it. So this morning, if you would show that video, Hi, my name is Wayne Kleisler. I've been here with my wife since the beginning of the church and I oversee the property, the building, any of the systems of the building that might overlap into what other departments are doing. I was gifted in it from the very beginning. This is what I did, so I'm interested in. It's working with my hands. When I worked full time, now I'm retired. So it's an opportunity to work for the church and doing whatever needs to be done and for some day to expand it. 
like now we're in the process of changing out the lights in the sanctuary here for the future. Well, from the very beginning, when we were part of the founding families of this church out of the Bridge Church in Hamburg, I saw this immediately. God gave me a picture as a cosmopolitan church with many different races reaching the world in many ways we have no way of imagining now and sending them out, sending people out. So I hope to be around when it really, really blossoms around the world. It's mostly helping others to see that there's value in this side of what we do you know, here to make it better for everyone else that's here, better in a way that we can support you know, people in their everyday lives, the things that, that need to be done. We're here to help out, you know, to, to get it done. And then uh, eventually, I think it's gonna advance the kingdom because if you have a decent facility, you can do so many more things to help out you know, in the quest for others to, to move along in their faith. But it's being a part of something and hoping others see that and they want to be a part of it also. I hope in the future that others will jump in and be a part of this. Because we have a good time. You know, when I have a group together and we're doing something, we laugh a lot. We get things done, uh, maybe not, but we laugh a lot. <laughs> But it's the working together, camaraderie, the feeling of, of self-worth and, and accomplishment and watching people use what you built or you fixed or whatever the case may be. The things that we're doing doesn't require a lot of knowledge. It's mostly we just need people to want to wanna serve. You know, maintenance is no glory with it. It's just you can do it because it needs to be done. But the relationships you build out of it, and what you make out of it is what, it, what it's all about. It's like jobs that you people have. You may not like them, but you, who knows how God's gonna use them. So earn that money and do it. There's hardly a week that goes by where I don't receive the blessing of having Wayne knock on the door and say, Pastor, is there anything that needs done? And Wayne, I just thank you so much for your heart, but I also thank you for drawing that correlation between you're using what you know and God is instilling vision in your heart and in your mind for what is yet to come here. And I don't know if you caught that. He said, I keep envisioning a multi-generational church, a multi-ethnic church, and I love that because I don't believe that churches should be exclusive to one group. I don't, I don't see that as biblical. And I'm just so thankful for individuals who use their known giftings and God begins to use incredible giftings. Are we okay, guys? Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Scripture says your plans will be established. And as I've mentioned before, I love the trend of personality tests because they show that each of us are made differently, that each of us have something different. Can I just say that I believe that God has wired each of us in a specific manner because each of us have a specific calling on our lives. You're wired with the passions and the things that connect to your heart for a specific reason. And the adventure is finding out the answer as to why. 
What subjects and activities or causes in your life ignite passion in your heart? What things in your life are you drawn to that just kind of pull on your heart that you have a deep conviction about. One of the things that I love doing is a, is a student ministries pastor is years ago, we brought our students in and we have them create dream statements of what God could do in their life with their passions. And we began to ask them, what makes you, what, what in life brings you joy? And hearing the answers of, and all of the different things and sports and hobbies, that was awesome. And then we got a little bit deeper in our questions and we said, what in life makes you cry? What in life touches your heart so much so that it, it just makes you weep because you have such deep conviction to stopping or being a part of helping that cause. And I don't think that we were prepared for the answers that these students gave us. When you have 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds who begin to weep and look at you and start to say, Pastor, I really want to stop abortion in our country. It messes you up. When you begin to hear 15-year-old students sit there and discuss how God has called them to the mission field, you can't help but cry. So I ask you the question that what giftings and talents and passions has, has God given you and how are you using those for a kingdom purpose, a purpose that is bigger than ourselves? And here's what a purpose bigger than ourselves kind of looks like. It looks like us serving and God begins to open our eyes to the needs of others. It looks like serving and essentially by committing our work to the Lord, we are taught uh, opening ourselves up in a deeper way by the Lord that we could ever imagine that his teaching will always mold us and shape us. It looks like God giving us the opportunity to display godly character to others. It looks like God teaching us lifelong lessons and moments of service. We goodly? Okay. But what do we do if we are in, just, I'm so sorry that I'm distracted by this. Lee, if it's not working, if we can have somebody open up their phone and just live stream from that, then that would be great. Okay, wonderful. Thank you guys. So what do we do when we're in seasons of waiting? Have you ever been there where you're just kind of waiting on the Lord, not sure what the next step, come on, don't make me feel alone. We're kind of waiting for the next step. You're not really sure what that looks like, but you know that, you know that your, your prayer life is good, your devotions are good, but you're just not sure where to navigate from that point forward. And here's what I would say to that. When you wait on the Lord, actively wait. And here's what I mean by that. Often I hear of some individuals who aren't sure of God's direction in their life, so they're faithful to come to Bible studies and prayer groups, but neglect serving altogether. And I don't necessarily see that represented in different biblical manners. For example, this, the pattern that I see biblically would be an individual who supplemented their prayer and devotion life by continuing to serve God through actions. In just a moment, I'm going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. As you recall, last week we talked about David receiving a calling upon his life. 
It was this extraordinary moment where Jesse came to the house and he put anointing oil on David. And the Bible, the, the scripture tells us that David received the spirit of God in that moment, that there was an anointing, a Holy Spirit empowerment upon that point where he was, there was no doubt, the chosen one. He was selected by God for that specific purpose. And as we read David's story in life, we know that he begins to, he not only becomes king, he not only becomes known as a giant slayer, but through his lineage, that's where Jesus comes from. And it's this incredible story of grace and mercy, but make no mistake that it was evident to those in that room on that day that he was chosen to be king. The moment that they put anointing oil on him and said, this is the Lord selected. He therefore received this authority and calling, knowing that he was chosen to be king. But here's where the story gets a little bit crazy. Is just before we read about David and Goliath, it says that he was running meals to the battlefield. And here's this scripture just blows my mind. First Samuel 17, 15, but David went back and forth to tend to his father's sheep. Now hold on a second. He was selected to be king. He had already received his calling by this point. He had already received his anointing and his favor. And yet the king is still a shepherd. The king who had by all means, by all rights, no business having to tend to his father's sheep anymore was faithful to tend to his father's sheep. I believe that what was happening here was he was actively waiting. Friends, some of the biggest mistakes that we can make is when we put God on pause until we figure life out. Can I tell you that that is just contradicting? It's kind of like not knowing where you're going and throwing the GPS out the window. I'm just gonna feel my way to the location. Can I tell you that that never goes well? As somebody who's gotten lost in West Virginia many of times, it never turns out well. When you start hearing banjo music, a little bit of fear rises up in you. <laughs> Active waiting that we continue to serve the Lord through action, through devotion, through prayer, not putting him on pause. David called, anointed, chosen by God, still tending to his father's sheep. Because as he waited for the bigger things, he actively served in the small things, God would later turn David's shepherd skills into kingdom leadership skills. It didn't seem like a big deal at the time. I can't imagine having to deal with that mentality. I, I'm just being honest with you today. I don't think I'm humble enough to do that. I don't think I'm humble enough to receive the calling to be king and then return to my father's sheep. And yet God uses this thing that seems so minuscule to prepare him to slay giants. Because later we read that while he tended to his father's sheep, he overcame lions and bears and tigers. Oh my. That God used him to prepare him in something that seems so minuscule. Friends, actively wait. If you're unsure of something, the Bible says to test all things to hold and hold on to what is good and what is true. I've often said when individuals come up to me and they say, pastor, I'm not really sure where to start. I'm not sure if God is directing me this way. 
our advice is always tested out because the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to walk away with an answer. Well, it wasn't for me. Praise God, that's an answer. And then maybe you discover that it is for you, that, that action, that mission trip, that serving role. Maybe it's even in your home. I'm not really sure if I should have this conversation. I'm not really sure if, if I should do. test it out. The worst thing that's going to happen is that you're going to walk away with an answer. And if something does go wrong, just do what I do and blame Lee. <laughs> Worship team, would you come forward? I also feel like we, in today's time, need a new definition of what it means to serve Jesus. Because all too often, we believe that serving him means that we constantly work on self-development. That serving him means that I'm just going to take time to work on me, to make sure that I have it all together. Can I just tell you, one of the reasons why we all get along here in church is because none of us have it together. Can somebody give me an amen? waiting for us to have life in perfect sequence and everything is going smoothly. That's called eternity in heaven. Sometimes we fall into this misconception that serving Jesus means that we constantly should work on self when it's actually the opposite, that serving Jesus means that we lose self. We believe that sometimes that that serving Jesus means that the line is drawn in getting to know him and that's it. We're not going to go beyond that. To serve Jesus means that we live a good life from one good task to the next task revolving around self-development. My problem with this belief is that none of these things talk about putting into action the concept of servant and selflessness. I believe that the definition of serving Jesus is this, displaying our faith in Jesus through action. Displaying our faith in Jesus through action. As I mentioned before, in Jesus' final moments, we find him washing feet. I just want to point this out, that washing feet in biblical time was disgusting. They weren't walking around in Air Jordans. (laughs) They weren't walking around in boots. They were stepping in a lot of stuff. Dirty. Sandals that walk on unpaved roads day in, day out. And my goodness, I can't imagine having to wash the guy who for a living is a shepherd. His feet. Disgusting. And so to be a foot washer was in like the top five category of the lowest things that a servant could do. I mean, it didn't get much worse than that. You not only are a servant, but you wash people's dirty, grimy, biblical, dirty feet. And that's what Jesus does in his last moments. Now I have to ask ourselves, can we put ourselves in this morning? Can you dream with me? I'm a very visual kind of guy. I want to know what was their physical reaction when Jesus stood up, walked over, got the servant's towel to wash feet, put it on his belt loop, and began to prepare to wash feet. 
I have to ask myself, was there a gasp in the room? Because if I'm standing there and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God from, I mean, heavens, just majesty, the, the creator, all knowing, I mean, all of these things that he was and is, and he's kneeling down to wash feet. I, I imagine the room just kind of went, <gasps> and I have to ask myself the question, were the disciples feeling like they dropped the ball out of all of the sermon illustrations and the constant teachings that Jesus gave and Jesus constantly teaching them about humility and serving others in a life of selflessness. I asked myself the question, why wasn't anyone's first instinct to jump up and wash his feet? I understand that later Peter begins to kind of venture down that path, but why didn't they all stand up? I mean, Jesus had spent so much time with them, so many sermons and illustrations, and, and there's this moment where he gets up and he lowers himself and he begins to wash their feet. What was their reaction? How were they moved on the inside? If I'm in that room, I'm automatically convicted. Anybody else? Where I'm automatically saying, I should be doing this. And in this moment, I imagine shock and utter embarrassment upon the disciples. The Son of God is making sure that there is no room for misinterpreting this moment. He's taking on one of the jobs that was strictly for servants, a job that was looked down upon. And he's calling us to live in according to what he was doing in that moment. John 13 verses 12 through 17 says this, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said these words, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Such a strong action calls for a strong message. And there's no way that we could possibly misread, misunderstand, misinterpret what Jesus did in this moment. He was calling us to a life of action, a life of service, a life of humility. And yet in 2020, I just feel like we as the church, man, we're comfortable and we're called to be uncomfortable and we just don't like it. 
And I'm so, whenever I look into, whenever I prepare sermons, I not only first look to the word of God, but I often look to other Christian authors and in books, you know, to kind of just be resources. And as I look and research a life of service, there's little to no material. But can I tell you, whenever I type in receiving your blessing, there are millions of results. When I talk about figuring out the best you that you can be, there's material beyond what I can even present to you today. But whenever I look into books about sacrifice and how it's difficult to serve the Lord, but it's worth it, it's difficult to find material. friend, as I've mentioned here throughout this series, it is not my goal or my objective to manipulate every person in C3 into a leadership role or serving role. That's just not my intention. My intention is that we as a church would be the church that Christ is looking for, which is a church that kneels down before one another to wash one another's feet. And in this beautiful exchange of us laying ourselves down, we somehow walk away blessed. It's like when you go on a missions trip to serve others and you're on the airplane and your heart is so full and you're leaving with these moments where God taught you something, a lesson that you can never be taught by another person, that you can never learn on your own will, but because he put you in that place for that specific time. I can't explain enough to you what it's like. It's just something that you've got to experience. My goal and my desire is that we as a church would be known as a giving church, giving ourselves not only to one another, but specifically serving the world around us. That we'd be fulfilling the purpose that God has called us to. So I ask you that question again, what passions do you have in your life? And I want to make this personal. What brings you joy in life? Think about that for just a moment. What causes your heart to well up? What are those moments where you laugh the most? What do those memories look like? What brings you ultimate joy? And secondly, I want to ask you this question. What makes your heart break? What needs does our world have that you look at and you say, Pastor, my heart just shatters to meet that need. Can I be open with you this morning? One of the things that I often find wrecking my heart personally, and I know that this comes from coming from a youth ministry background, but it's young men who come from fatherless homes. Because I've seen the damage that that has caused. Where it's almost like young men are carrying around multiple personality disorder. Because they're gravitating towards so many cultural pop stars. As their father figure. 
acting like them, behaving like them. And once they find out that that's not satisfying, they switch to someone else and they act like, talk like, dress like whoever that male model, role model is. So what breaks your heart? And as you ask those questions, can I just ask you of this? As you begin to discover the answers saying, pastor, my heart, my heart feels like this. Can I just challenge you to serve that need, to make it your goal to meet that need? If there's anything that we can do here at C3 Church to involve you in a ministry or even create a ministry position so that you can help lead an initiative to meet that need, I would love to do that. And lastly, as we close this morning, would you stand to your feet? As we close this morning, I also want to say this. I believe that serving others starts by serving our homes. I believe that serving others is modeled in our homes. Husbands who serve their families, wives who serve their families, it will leave a deep impression upon your children. How can you connect your passions so that you can discover God's direction and plans in your life? And this morning, I really did struggle with how to end this service because everything inside of me wanted us to gather up here and lay hands on one another, but uh, stupid virus. So this morning, here's... Here's, here's how I feel the Holy Spirit leading us to end this is I feel the Holy Spirit giving us homework. Can I challenge you once again this week? Can you make it your objective to find the answers to those questions through prayer, devotion, and servanthood to find out where's your passion and how can you connect it to a kingdom-minded purpose? What breaks your heart? And as you find the answer, Begin to ask God, what would you have me do to meet this need? Because friend, God wired us and gave us convictions and passions specifically to us for a specific reason. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for the calling that you've placed on our lives. Lord, I pray that C3, that we would be an Acts 2 church. Lord, that when we read Acts 2 and we read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit flourishing among the body, the baptisms of the Holy Spirit within the body, the gifts in the body, Lord, when we read Acts 2 and we see how they served one another and how they met one another's needs, so much so that it said they had everything in common, that no one lacked anything because they were constantly meeting one another's needs. Lord, teach us to be those kind of people. Teach us to be those kind of servants, Lord. Teach us to be the kind of servant that walks into a room and doesn't look for somebody else to be a foot washer, but we take up our servant's towel to be the foot washer in the room. Father, I pray once again that we would model to the world around us what it is to stand on Christ, our rock, our solid foundation. Now, Lord, as we go about this week, discovering and learning the plans that you have for us, the calling that you've placed on our lives. I pray, Lord, that we would come back meeting with one another with answers at hand 
And I pray once again that you would stir up things that we didn't even know were in us, but because your Holy Spirit is working in our lives, it came to pass. Lord, I pray once again that as we go from here, let everything that we do and say be a representation of you. And during this time with this stupid virus, (laughs) I pray that you would help us to exemplify wisdom as well as walking by faith. I pray that the peace that surpasses all understanding would not only be within each and every one of us, but displayed by each and every one of us. Now go before us, Lord. Prepare the way we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, hey, love you. Thank you so much for being here today. If I can help in any way, I'm going to make myself available up here. Other than that, go with the Lord. He's going with you. God bless. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.